DJ, welcome back to Calling All Beings, and we're about to get into it with two of the premier original gangsters from the IC tonight to educate, regulate, all truth dilate, right? Come on, Nathan. <laughs> but, but, but before we get into any of that, let's introduce uh, my amazing uh, co-creators and collaborators here on Cab, uh, the man you're seeing with the glasses who somebody just said, you know, I mean, it's so good to see. He's so adorable. But <laughs> <laughs> it's money now. <laughs> it's the co-conspirator and fun, interesting, uh, and illuminating uh, talk about the phenomenon money, Nathan. Hey, it's great to be here. Uh, great to see all of you. Very excited to have this conversation this evening. Uh, welcome everybody who's in the in the audience uh, viewing the show. Let's get into it. All right, excited man. But before. Before we do that, we got the the center, the keystone of the joint, the researcher, the one who gives us a little bit of legitimacy up in here, and that is a study of UAP Debs. Yes, I'm just glad that Jules is here to make sure that we're moderated in our discussions <laughs> today. We're appropriately well behaved. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. We need an adult in this room right here uh, because I tell you what, myself and uh, and our other uh, co-hosts here, Leah Primetime, are definitely not the adults in this joint. What's up, Primetime? Hi, DJ. Just another day in paradise. And do you have like a box of wine somewhere, like where it's just got like an extra amount, and you could just, you know, it's got a couple liters worth of that. Do you have a box of wine anywhere within within reach? Yeah, dude. About six boxes of Franzi, and I just roll my chair over and stick my head under the spigot. <clears throat> that's my own girl right there and yep. uh, you usually are reading this young lady in the chat where she brings positivity everywhere she goes uh but tonight uh since we're not having a chat guess what she decided to jump in this joint and uh that is our lovely chat host of uh, the jewel of of the nile what's going on homegirl? Hey, darlings, I'm happy to be here, and do not make me time y'all out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man, I got you. Um, all right, before we go any further, uh, we're going to have a, a, a statement from uh, our brother, Money Nathan. So go ahead and make yourself larger, Nathan, and then we'll, we'll bring in our guests of honor, who we're super excited to speak with this evening. Awesome. Uh, all right, well, I've never done an opening statement like this on our show before. But I'd like to welcome everyone to Calling All Beings. And for those of you who may not have watched our show before, we occasionally do what we affectionately call a fireside chat, which is just a cozy way of saying that we're hosting an open-ended round-robin type conversation where each panelist has an opportunity to introduce a topic of their choice. Regardless of the show or the guests, we endeavor to host discussions which are fun, serious, silly, and thought-provoking. Cab has never been a show about gotcha questions. We have disabled the live chat so that we can all focus on tonight's content and in fostering a meaningful dialogue. Cab is not monetized in any way, nor do we begrudge shows which are. 
No matter your perspective, we tend to believe that valuing the integrity and dignity of our fellow humans is more important than scoring points or clicks or likes. That said, we ask for your like if you are open to giving it and believe we have earned it. Now, there has been a great deal of talk lately about imminent disclosure and all that entails. It's fun to speculate on a subject which many of us spend a great deal of time and energy contemplating every day. Whether you are simply UFO curious, a believer, an experiencer, or an ardent skeptic, we should be able to agree that the conversation can be made better when we enter into good faith discussion and work to together toward understanding. In short, if the conversation is worth having, it is worthy of our best efforts. Lastly, I personally find it very important to make space for those who have the courage to share their phenomenal experiences as well as their interpretation of them. Interpretation is a funny thing, not a static picture, but rather an evolving process of meaning-making shaped by every moment, interaction, and new experience. At CAB, we welcome the sharing of these experiences and are eager to listen. However, as a larger community, we often aren't particularly great at listening, but we believe that listening is an exercise in honoring our fellow human. It is an act of compassion, a sacrament of presence. So this evening, that's what we'll do, as we welcome both John and Anjali to share a conversation with all of us. We are so grateful for their time and willingness to speak. We are also deeply grateful for those of you who have stopped by to watch and listen in, even if only for a little while. Let the fireside chat begin. Damn, I love this guy right here, and I love Beautiful. being part of this show. Uh, so we're honored to have these two guests on tonight. Our first guest, uh, our guest of honor is a, a veteran of the USAF, a former analyst at the DIA, a respected member of the IC, an experiencer of the phenomenon, a citizen of the world and a proliferator of love and light everywhere she goes. Party people put them together for my home girl, Anjali Schultz. Can I get an amen? Amen. For Anjali. Amen. Our other special guest is a veteran of the United States Navy, a retired CIA officer, a well-read and learned analyst, also a citizen of the world who has helped contextualize the operations of the U.S. government for civilians who we toil away on Twitter and people just don't understand what they're listening to and how to interpret what the government is doing, is saying, and is not saying. Um, this gentleman um, is also uh, a he's a blessing to the community like Anjali and also a citizen of the world. So put him together for my man, Mr. John Ramirez. Cheers. Yeah, man. Yes. Ah. So <laughs> I'm doing it too. You can't see, but I'm doing it. <laughs> so the way <laughs> I know you're putting them together, Debs, we love you. Um, so uh, what we wanted, the way we wanted to start this off tonight is um, there's interesting things that uh, John and Anjali had to discuss, and and I'm gonna get out the way. So you got to, and people are like, yeah, damn, I'm glad, man. Get yourself out in the way and let these two talk. So without further ado, Mr. Ramirez, please take it away, sir. Okay. Yeah. Um. I wanted to be with Anjali uh, because we've had private conversations before and we've uh, texted each other, emailed each other, but we've never been uh, on, for, on the record together on any kind of podcast. 
And I know uh, in the beginning, a lot of people uh, questioned Anjali's background. I did not because I knew that she was part of the intelligence community, just the way she presented herself and some of the terminology she used. Um, it was IC speak, and I knew she was genuine. And um, I know recently uh, I stated that uh, Anjali was interviewed by members of the UAP task force. And I believe uh, Ted McMillan reached out to Jake's, uh, Jay uh, Stratton. And Jay Stratton made the statement, uh, unequivocal statement, that um, no member of the UAP task force officially or unofficially interviewed Anjali. And uh, when I read that, I go, okay, Jay, we need to uh, straighten out the record because I know what you really meant to say and you didn't say it. So um, I wanted to um, at least bridge that subject first and foremost. And so uh, with Anjali, I was just uh, wanted to know um, in your own words, uh, what was your experience like? Um, someone or uh, other people interviewed you, they, they talked to you, is, is that, isn't that correct? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I was interviewed as well at um, the Lincoln Memorial on, um, in August of 2021 at the presser. I was interviewed by a lady and a gentleman. Um, I had to really um, jog my brain um, to recollect that because I was in, I, I spoke to so many people that day and I wasn't keeping my own personal recording of what was happening around me. And so I don't have a, a complete picture of all of the people that I spoke to that day. Um, but it was previously mentioned on um, the Gaia Network television um, show Cosmic Disclosure by Richard Doty, who is a self-confessed prior disinformation um, intelligence officer. Uh, he had he said on that show that I was interviewed by um, by two official people that day, and and he was correct. And I just want to set that straight because on that show, um, I. I was kind of taken aback. I didn't recollect it very well. Um, I had a lot of other directions that my mind was going. So um, I followed up on that and yes, that is correct. So as far as my my other contact um, with, with people who were associated with the UAP task force and taking interviews and presenting and presenting those interviews to them, um, I had a, a gentleman who contacted me, um, and through him, he brought in two other friends. I had multiple encounters with the first gentleman, um, and by encounters, I mean um, phone calls and Zoom conversations, um, and then he brought in a couple of friends and they actually, they were interested in, um, they asked a lot of questions of the beings and uh, I gave them the best interpretation and answers that I could 
that day. It was it was really kind of a, a wild experience. The experience the the day that I had all three gentlemen um, that that I spoke with, because over the course of the three of them and several days, I probably had easily 24 hours of contact um, with the these three gentlemen in one way or the other um, regarding my experiences with the beings and, and um, lifelong experiences, not just what happened in the Mojave. Um, although they were very interested in that. And um, they, uh, one of the questions that I thought was an interesting question was, um, do you know if, if the tunnel is still there? Um, and I said, yes, you know, the tunnel is still there. Um, they're telling me that it's there. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and two of the gentlemen asked if they could be members of, of the expedition team and be part of that, that collection team, just be present. And, um, and I didn't ask a lot of, of other questions about it. Uh, my, what I said to them was that at the time, my only requirement was that no one came armed, um, you know, that we, that nobody came with any kinds of weapons or any kinds of thoughts of the need or the desire for a weapon, um, that they were going to have to leave that, that aside. So, um, we had contact for, a number of months, several months. And um, so it happened. And, uh, you know, I, I'm beyond the point of really caring what the public says, because every time someone says, you know, that, that I wasn't interviewed and, or that I'm not who I said I was, or it, it just whatever other kinds of things they're saying, it just, it's rolling right off of my back at this point, because uh, I, I am at the center of, of my experience and, and I'm the only one who can put all of those pieces and all of the contacts that I've had from across the IC, from across social media and, and from across other types of messages and the, the types of beings who may be um, communicating. They may be there. There's a chance that, that humans have developed this ability um, and I'm just unaware of it. There is, um, I have absolute faith that there are higher beings and by higher, I mean that their consciousnesses are, appear to be much more advanced, um, older. They, they appear to have a higher perspective than we do. Um, kind of like they can look down and see inside the entire house at once, you know, where we have to go from room to room to room. They don't have to, they could Whole, whole house, they can see it at once. Um, and that doesn't mean omnipresence and that doesn't mean omniscience. Um, it means that we have, we have a complicated ecosystem and I have um, personally and professionally now, I have reached out through the IC community to contact a former colleague, um, peer, mentor and absolute hero of mine her name is Nicole, and um, I think that anyone who has worked with me previously who would be watching 
will know who I'm talking about. And um, I am in need of Nicole's assistance. If she could reach out to me, um, it's it's about time that uh, we finished that lesson we started. So, thanks very much, Anjali. And um, let me interject here um, some background information. Um, so, show of hands to so those who are on camera. Um, <laughs> you heard about the UAP task force, and here's the task force set up by the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence and also the United States Navy through the Office of Naval Intelligence. It is the first announced task force since the Project Blue Book under the Air Force. So if you have this task force studying this very important phenomenon, how many people would you dedicate to this task force? Sure hands, how many? Just, or you can say out, out loud. Um. You know, there would have to be, you know, 50 or so people, I would think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say dozens. Dozens? Yeah. Le Leah, are you pretty much? Uh, between 50 and 100 minimum. 100. Jules, about that month? So, I... Oh, Jules, if you type it in the chat, we'll read it off for you because we didn't hear you. Let's just type it. So, well, okay, I got I got the gist of it. Uh, anywhere from fifty to a hundred. Mm -hmm. All right, I am now going to reveal for the first time the number of people on the task force. That's it. That's it. So you know, one member of the task force, Jay Stratton, he was the commander of the task force, as they call it. And of course, you know, it's a Navy thing, right? So you have to have commanders. So he's the commander of the task force. And we also know one other individual, right, who came forward, and that's Dr. Travis Taylor. There's two. And there were like a couple of other people on this task force. That's it. So what Jay Stratton meant to say is this. No member of the UAP task force, his direct reports, and DJ, you, you're Air Force guy, you know what a direct report is? It's someone you supervise personally, and you're responsible for writing their performance evaluation. So no member of the task force, all three of my guys that I was responsible for as a career service officer, I was responsible for their promotions and their career development, so forth and so on. No member interviewed Anjali. That's three people. Now, who did interview Anjali? So in order for this small, tiny task force, the first kind of any kind of entity within the U.S. government since uh, Project Blue Book, to do anything, it had to do something which, DJ, you know, very familiar, these words. It's called interagency outreach. Mm -hmm. The interagency is the other agencies. You know, for example, uh, you have the CIA, the DIA, the NSA, you know, the alphabet soup, the major organizations of the intelligence community. They relied on outreach in order to get any work done. So it's the outreach to the task force that interviewed Anjali. And a member of that task force was cognizant of the interview taking place. And in fact, the interagency continued to interact with the task force. And by when the actual interview occurred, uh, Jay Stratton was no longer commander of the task force, but he kept into the email loop. So he knew what was going on. And so they would not have reached out to Anjali unless 
something was validated. And that is the fact that she is an intelligence community officer. And how does one tell if another member is an intelligence community officer? Well, first of all, there's something called, and in the old days, it was called JPAS, JPAS. It stood for Joint Personnel, I believe stands for Joint Personnel Adjudication System. And if you're in the DOD side, your name is going to be in there as having a top secret clearance, and it will have all the compartments that you have been read into. On my end, uh, Scattered Castles on the civilian side, it's called uh, the same thing. It's called Scattered Castles, and it has the same information. It has my name and all of the compartments I was read into. They would not have reached out to Anjali unless they knew that she wasn't someone off the street who's an experiencer, because there are many, many, many experiencers, as Deb would tell you. Now, there are many, many experiencers out there, and all of us probably are experiencers as well. But she was an experiencer who happened to be a member of the intelligence community, and that's what got their attention. And secondly, when she talks about beings, if they thought that she was somewhat disturbed because she talked about these beings, they would not have contacted her because right. they know that these beings are real. They know that there is a presence of these other non-humans on the planet. And thank you, Dr. Gary Nolan, because he said the same thing. This knowledge is known within the intelligence community. So it was the outreach people with the cognizance of the UAP task force who reached out to Anjali. And they may not identify themselves by true affiliation because they were undercover. And what does that mean? That means that your affiliation with the IC has to be protected. And what is the two agencies that can do that? Well, one is DIA, because they have a defense human service. They too have human officers collecting human intelligence. So they have to be undercover. And what's the other agency that's been doing it since 1947? My guys, CIA. Back home office, CIA. So it was at that level of the intelligence community that reached out to Anjali because they knew she was genuine. They found her information in the appropriate personnel databases to verify that she had the clearances that she said she had. And then thirdly, and most importantly, they knew that her contact experiences were real because they knew about the contact experiences that others have had even within the intelligence community. And I'll just name one person who's come out, my buddy at CIA, Jim Simivan, who stated that, oh, yes, he's he's had these contact experiences. That's right. And I'm sure um, come later this year, you'll hear more about intelligence officers with contact experiences. So I just want to let the set, set the record straight. Yes, Jay is right that no member of the UAP task force interviewed Anjali. The other three people on that task force. They didn't interview Anjali, but the outreach people did. The interagency outreach people did with the full cognizance of the member members of the task force. And so let, let the record stand that this is what actually happened. And so if you disbelieve me or disbelieve Anjali, <laughs> fine. I'm not here to convince you one way or the other. You can believe anything you want. You can believe what other people in the government who you think belong to the government tell you. <laughs> it's fine because uh, toward the end of this year, 
as uh, Science Bob McGuire stated at the Space That Radio uh, Vegas party, and as uh, Dr. Nolan stated, you know, something is going to occur. Some event will occur. It's the disclosure we all have been waiting for, and it all will be laid out. So I just want to say that. Hey, John, I'd like to interject right now that the significance of people like yourself, Anjali, Jim Semivan coming out and talking about this amongst the IC community is akin to Dave Fravor coming out and and people um, in, in the aviation community saying, man, if this you know youngest Air Wing commander in the Navy, Top Gun graduate, Dave Fravor and Alex Dietrich and Chad, Chad Underwood and um, help me, uh, Ryan Graves, if they can come and talk about it, then that means I can talk about it. That's the significance of you guys coming out, I think, is that your colleagues are going to have a, a – that have been holding this inside uh, are going to have a sigh of relief about it, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, also, I want to say, uh, regarding something that Anjali said, I want to say that the fact that the phenomenon is able to have this sort of top-down view of the entire house – I would really appreciate that because I've lost both spare set of car keys. And with that ability, like I, you know what I mean? Like at the whole, I could see the whole house at once. Oh, there they are. And I keep them in this little Ziploc bag in case you're out in the woods and it, you know, it starts raining, you know, your car keys are still going to work. So uh, I would love to have that ability, honestly. I know that, um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes, um, so uh, did you do um, so where Linda was trying to come in and, and ask a question to you guys I don't know if she's going to make it in or not but uh, would you uh, Anjali would you like to say something about what John said or would you like to continue that discussion well I would just I would like to say um, just to follow up on that that one of the the neatest parts of the interview experience with me um, and the three gentlemen was not only just how incredibly respectful and informed they were uh, and curious, very curious, but they were also affirming and validating quite often. They would say things such as um, we, have, we have other sources who also tell us that. And then sometimes they'd raise their eyes and say, oh yeah, we have other sources that say that. And, um, and I understood, you know, that, that this was something that they were, that they were heavily invested in. And I appreciate, I appreciate their time. And um, uh, I think that we had a, and have a good relationship. And um, yeah, I, I enjoy working with others. I have, um, I, I, I enjoy working with, with folks that typically others would shy away from, I guess, you know, um, I am, I'm not hesitant at all in this experience that I'm having. And I, I think I've made that fairly well known publicly, um, there have been some, you know, some developments and, and some redirections. Um, and I, I can acknowledge that. Um, I can't wait for the other experiencers from the IC to come forward and help you understand why what I said um, is, can be both true to, to me and 
um, I could have been physically inside of another place. And at the same time, the other people that I was with do not experience that. Um, it's, it's a part of the phenomena. Uh, I, I can't understand it. I can explain to you what, what the beings that I'm in contact say. Uh, I, you know, I, can, I can try to interpret that to the best of my ability. And always with the knowledge of a couple of things. Number one, that, you know, that I became an intelligence officer is, isn't that kind of odd. And that I was, that I was working at the Pentagon, isn't that even odder? And, uh, you know, and that I had this contact after, um, you know, doing intel work for the USMC. I keep looking at the desert as if you can see. <laughs> I am, I'm literally looking west. I don't, I don't know where. <laughs> um, I'm trying to show you the desert. Uh, and um, I, I completely lost my train of thought now. If someone wants I mean, to back on I, it. Okay. I, I mean, my, my, my question for you was going to be, and I'll, I'll ask John if we can tur uh, turn it over to Nathan and get the cabbies with some initial questions for you guys. But during any of these meetings with the intelligence officials, did anybody ask you, for example, what kind of conditioner that you use? What kind of conditioner I use? Yes. Yes. Um, no. No. Okay. That would have been my first question. Nathan. Uh, <laughs> same brand. That, hey, uh, DJ, it's the same yes. brand you and I use. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Me and, me, and, uh, me and John are using Prell, I think. I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, I know, right? But uh, no, it is interesting, though, that, that people spoke with you and maybe it wasn't those three guys that are on that staff. But obviously, uh, somebody did speak with Anjali and they would be very interested to hear what she has to say, given the nature of her experience and also the nature of her background, the seriousness of it. John, can I give it over to Nathan to get a get a question? Uh, sure. I, I just or, want to interject one thing. Yeah, please um, do. That uh, people might think... Um, Oh, I thought it was illegal to CIA to contact um, U.S. citizens or anybody. Um, no, uh, not if you're a member of the intelligence community. Right. You're contacting a colleague, not a U.S. citizen off the street. So um, I just want to make that plain because I'm sure some people are wondering about CIA's uh, operations inside the country. It is authorized. If the person approaches CIA first, or if that other person is a member of the intelligence community. So I just want to say that off the bat and Nathan, take it away. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. Um, I'm cognizant of time and I know we've only got Leah for another uh, few minutes, so I'm going to pass it to her before she has to take off. Sure. Um, so I have a little bit, I think of a maybe a perfunctory question, which is just as general citizens, um, what do you see our responsibilities as being in and around this subject, particularly as it pertains to um, like government involvement? Well, I think um, the participation of citizens will be expanded. And in fact, it will be essential because mm -hmm. once the government discloses what it knows, citizens will need to carry forward and complete disclosure because I think all the government's going to actually reveal at the beginning is that yes, the craft we're seeing is flown by non-humans. And yes, there's mm -hmm. a non-human presence on earth. Basically everything that um, Dr. Gary Nolan stated at the uh, ISALT conference, mm -hmm. and it's 18 minutes that pretty much said it all. And uh, you'll be hearing a lot more of that uh, later this year 
and greater detail from many more people. But mm -hmm. from there, I mean, for me, it's like, okay, they're, they're here and they're visiting us. To me, that's not as exciting as who they are, why they're here. Right. And what should, how should we contact them? What is the interaction that we as humanity should have with these other beings? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's something that citizens can, can come forward with. Also, um, there are citizens who've had like not so happy encounters with these beings for whatever right. reason. And so that needs to be taken seriously that they're not, there's nothing wrong with them. There's, they don't need to be treated um, in a conventional sense, in a conventional uh, mental health therapy. Right. Like pathologized. Basically. Exactly. And right. so we, I, I'm hoping that the stigma will be removed from that. And so we can have an honest discussion of that. You know, some people perceive these in a way that uh, perceive these beings in a way that um, they don't quite understand. And that un misunderstanding might cause some consternation. Added with that is the stigma associated with that. That just adds to the bad experience more so than mm -hmm. the experience itself. So I would suggest citizens will continue, especially uh, with their governments, because I believe other countries will come forward after the U.S. comes forward. Um, that these other countries have information about this phenomenon that they've been keeping hidden, they've been kept hidden, and they're waiting mm -hmm. for the U.S. to take the first step. So, you know, like pressure your 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 legislators um, to come mm -hmm. forward with more information and uh, make it part of the political discourse. We're going into a uh, in the U.S. We're going into a presidential campaign mm -hmm. uh, this year, and so make it part of the campaign. So that's mm -hmm. that's what citizens can do. Um, raise awareness that this is real um, and the government can remove the stigma from itself, from other government officers, from the military and help civilians also remove that stigma. Because when you see who's going to come forward and what position they held in the government, um, it's a foregone conclusion that this is real, that this is a real thing that has happened. Yeah, I get. Uh, I'm gonna get Anjali on that too. Please. Go ahead. And would you restate that, or did you did you already write it down, Anjali? Her question. I think it was the question was what are the responsibilities, or what do we see as the responsibilities of citizens in mm -hmm. after disclosure? Was that right, Leah? Yep. Yeah. Either in ushering the process, um, and and John was so kind to answer this almost from a. Uh, participatory citizen perspective, but even just in the sense of um, being good neighbors, right, to other humans, you know, right. how do we sort of um, experience this collectively in a way um, that's uh, supportive of others? Absolutely. Well, um, well, I think that the John touched on a really important point, and that is that not everyone has a positive contact experience, that there are experiencers out there who have had negative experiences and who have residual trauma from that. Um, and, you know, this is well documented. And we, we have to acknowledge that. And uh, one thing that's going to be really important from a government position is once we can finally admit as a as as a nation that this contact exists and it has been ongoing and that we've known about it and that yes we did hide it and this is why and um and see how far the the conversation is taken um it's 
I think that the uh, I'm sorry, I forgot. I forgot my train of thought, Leah. Do you remember? Uh, this happens to me. I'm sorry. I have I have epilepsy. And just oh, no stress. No um, worries. No worries. Basically, like like like, what are our responsibilities to our fellow man or fellow humans in this situation? There was some. There was some place I was trying to go with that, and I I don't remember exactly where it was. Um, but going back to our our spiritual responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I would say that it's one of the, I just remembered it, Leah, I'm so sorry. Okay. That because we are so behind the curve in it admitting that this is ongoing and having a dedicated effort and a dedicated force that is well-funded and well-supported to, to try to analyze what's actually going on and who the can, who is having contact with whom, then we really don't have a cl very clear picture of what's going on, okay? I can, I can tell you, you know, tell them blue in the face, um, you know, what different beings are said. But one of the things that I am working on myself Excuse is me. to mm -hmm. analyze who is delivering which kinds of messages to us, um, where they may be coming from, for what purpose, you know, what is motivating them, um, and other, other signs in society that may support um, interference or signs of interference, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm working diligently at developing this methodology um, kind of based on some of what I understood from, from my time, you know, working in the IC, some of the things that I've learned. I'm trying to put that, uh, put that to play right away here. I've been, I've been doing this for a couple of years, just in, you, it's very difficult in, um, in intelligence to deal with a small amount of data points, okay? You need a ton of them before you can reach any kind of conclusion. So it's not like, even if if I've had, let's say I've had you know conscious contact once a year, I'm just throwing this out there, nobody get attached to this, okay? This is just a hypothetical. I've had, let's just say, you know, for the first 45 years of my life, I had contact once a year and I experienced um, some kind of conscious communication, okay? That certainly doesn't mean that as um, the years have gone by, um, that this has been like a collective experience in my own mind, okay? Um, because they, um, it's very complicated. <laughs> it's very, very complicated. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that the IC, the government has a responsibility to get these experiencers, especially the ones from the IC together and get these communications on record and then put that up against the templates and matrices that we have out there uh, because they do exist. I already know that some of them exist that we could use to try to understand what is actually happening here. And we aren't doing it. And that's to, going to be to our own regret, I do believe. We have waited a very long time and I, I think that that's 
that's a, a real crying shame. Now, as far as spiritual responsibilities and people, um, one of the things that the, the beings that I have been in contact want us to understand is that through, through our meditation, through, through meditation and presence of mind and presence of uh, attention, okay, be really being mindfully attentive in a moment um, and, 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 and they're saying, and recognizing that diversity in the forms of life will help to prepare everyone for, the, for, for coming contact. And that some of this, that the contact will be experienced um, through conscious communication. That doesn't mean to say that, that you won't visibly have, um, you, you know, um, visual perception. Okay. I'm not saying that. And that, you know, everybody won't be able to see that. I'm saying that when we, we hear and communicate, it will most likely with the vast majority of beings be through conscious communication. And that doesn't mean that they don't have language. Um, they have a language that we do not understand. <laughs> and beyond that, um, just real quick, they're also saying, I just have to, they want me to throw this in there very quickly um, to remind everyone that um, the importance of meditation and recognizing uh, the, like the collectiveness of, of the human spirit, the, the human mind, like the human, like the, the human energy that we have, um, that we can collectively tap into this, this, whatever this is in the ether, there's whatever is connecting all of us. You know. The new sphere. Sure, we can say spirit, yeah. sure. Um, that, that, um, that, that we will recognize and be able to communicate with each other when we are scattered and no longer have um, electricity at our hands. Mm. Ooh, that so, is... <laughs> That's a very scary proposition of not having electricity, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, what could be better than uh, than uh, humans seeing in one another value instead of seeing, oh, this person's different, or their outlook, or their uh, their their politics, or their look out, and you know the social framework of America. You know that stuff is not important. Just you know seeing value in one another, and uh, you know. Somebody recently I heard said there is no them, there's only us. So um can't remember where that was. Anyway, uh, I have a question from the into first of all, welcome to Linda. Linda Thompson uh, made it here with uh you know, we had to send sixteen or seventeen links and one of them break worked. clumps. <laughs> awesome. And uh, I have one question from the internet for John. Before that you like go, to... DJ, I think DJ, um, sorry, Leah may have to take off. Yes. So I want to. Oh, yeah. I need to take off. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just wanted to jump in and say thank you to Anjali and to John for your considered and very thoughtful answers. Uh, and as always, thank you so much to the cabbies and to the fans. Thank you, Prime Time, for being here. We appreciate you. Right. Have a take care. And our actually, ironically, uh, for John and Anjali, our our new newer cabbie Matt, who has a Bigfoot show is having a Bigfoot experiencer on tonight that just had to get 
that individuals like um, I, I really have tonight to be able to speak with you about this. And I said, Matt, you know, if you're getting this kind of a, you know, this kind of an experience, you, you know, we'll see you later. Have a good show. <laughs> so that's that's what Matt's recording. But uh, hopefully next time we see you guys, you'll get to experience uh, Matt. Uh, he's he's a great cabbie. Um, so we have this question from uh, Twitter Ooh. from this is from Wow three six nine two five two five and he said hi can you ask john how he knows about the arrival of our visitor friends in 2027 so sir would you john please um yes that's not nothing official um let me okay. tell you about 2027 i was asked that um in a secure facility a skiff about what i knew about 2027 because the word in government is that something is going to happen and that comes from not unique government knowledge, but their monitoring of social media, um, their contacts with Chris, Chris Bledsoe. And everyone knows that Chris Bledsoe has had the alphabet soup of the IC and the federal government visiting him. And it's he's been very, very um, uh, vocal about 2026, 2027, something happening. And it's coming through as well through channelers and experiencers. And so there's some marker in the federal government in the ice in the intelligence uh area that there's something happening in 2027 um john you an experiencer do you, have you heard anything have you had have any inkling uh, about 2027 and i said well i actually deferred and i told them um why don't you like contact anjali and contact chris bledsoe because they talked about those years yeah. um as far as i'm concerned um I'm hoping that 2027 will be uh, the year where they feel comfortable to arrive in public. Whereas, you know, the government already knows of their existence, the public does not. And I told uh, these people in this secure facility, um, and it was in 2022, uh, you have five years to get everyone prepared. If you're gonna do disclosure, do it now. Because if they do decide to show up, um, you're gonna have a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> and also mentioned uh, uh, Lou Elizondo. So, you know, Lou has been saying that, you know, in 2022, wait five years and it'll all be out. Yes, yes. Well, yes. He said that? Oh, yes. Yeah. And he, yes. and so it's not just like, oh, I'll be out. What does that mean? It's not just, oh, we're going to, we're going to disclose that what you're seeing up in the sky is real. That That's not disclosure. Real disclosure is who's flying these, guy, uh, these craft up in the air and um, where they come from and do we know about them? And according to Dr. Gary Nolan, who seems extremely well connected, that uh, what he stated is probably uh, pretty close to what the government actually knows. But they will need more than one voice um, other than Dr. Gary Nolan to state that in succession of people who have the program clearances to actually back up Dr. Gary Nolan, who is not an official in the IC. He is a consultant to the IC. So once we have officials in the IC and in the Pentagon saying that, it'll give more credence to uh, their presence. And perhaps then we can have a discussion about 2027. Uh, you know, I have quite, I'm, I'm passing it to Deb right now because I've, I have a question of, about that and, but I'll, I'll wait till it comes around. Um, so Deb, please go ahead, ma'am. Oh, okay. I think we skipped Nathan. So we have to go back to oh, Nathan. Did we but... skip Nathan? But please, please oh. go ahead. Uh, please go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So I just wanted to, like, I, I've had a lot of different questions come to my mind 
But the one that really is catching me right now is all these institutes that seem to be doing like a tug of war with this topic. We have the White House pulled some things away. Arrow is doing some things. The Navy was doing some things. The U.S. Air Force is pretending they're not doing anything. The Space <laughs> Force is definitely doing something. NASA is about to talk to us on the 31st. So um, with all of that happening, who should we be turning to? And what is the role of places like the Monroe Institute who are also trying to contribute to these conversations? Is that for Anjali or John? Both. Oh, both. Whoever wants to take it first. I know that sure. <laughs> either of you can answer this one. I will defer to John first. Okay, um, I'll take that. Um, so everyone should know that, um, you know, when the remote viewing program was removed from the federal government, one of the hardest things to do in federal government is to kill programs. Mm -hmm. Basically, what you do is uh, you remove, you move the program into another office by creating another office and hiding it there. And so you, you never get rid of a federal program once it started. And for remote viewing, it was removed from the federal government proper and outsourced to outside organizations such as the Monroe Institute, uh, such as uh, I would also add the Farsight Institute in Atlanta as two organizations that are doing remote viewing. Uh, Dr. Paul Smith has his own organization. And now, you know, there's an International Remote Viewing Association. And so a lot of remote viewing still happens, but it's outside the government purview. So that addresses Monroe Institute. They're very important because they focus on consciousness and consciousness is a major part of the experience as well as a major part of the physics of how they fly. Um, and so to answer your first part of the question, yeah, there's, it seems like um, we have a lot of cooks making one big mess of a stew, um, but they all have parts to contribute because no one single organization has it all. And if anyone has it all, I would say the Central Intelligence Agency probably is that organization because they were there from the very beginning, uh, from the time of Roswell and perhaps also the Navy because there was an Office of Naval Intelligence since 1882. So they definitely <laughs> have, they've been there since the beginning. So these two organizations I would pay attention to now, as far as like getting it all together, that's what the, this disclosure is all about that uh, Dr. Gary Nolan has been uh, hinting at, that um, there will be this admission by the government of what he said about the craft being non-human and the non-human presence. If they're finally going to get it together under one conductor, conducting the orchestra of many, many instruments playing their part. And I believe that conductor is actually... Um, the intelligence com uh, committees of the U.S. Congress. And so who do we have to thank for being the conductors? Well, uh, my hat's off to uh, Senator uh, Kristen Gillibrand. Gillibrand. Uh, she's been very instrumental in putting it all together. And she has a role to play as well as, as the conductor. She can't play the instruments, but she knows the sheet of music she's working from. And she's trying to get all these musicians to play the same sheet of music, mm -hmm. um, their part whatever instruments they're bringing to the symphony. So that's what's going to happen at the uh, toward the end of the year. Um, Anjali, if you have something on that, uh, please go ahead, ma'am. I, I don't have anything of, of real value to add. Um, I'm not surprised, you know, that we have a tug of war uh, when you have a, a deeply compartmented program um, 
such as something like this would be, you would expect for it to be, this is my new thing lately, babushka dolled. <laughs> yeah, I'm so into babushka dolls suddenly. It just keeps coming. It works. I'm telling you, it's such a great metaphor for so many things, but, um, but that's really a, a, um, a good way of looking at how deeply compartmented this is. And sometimes we can easily lose sight of those programs over the years um, in, in the IC outside of those that are, uh, you know, who are read into them um, simply because we stop talking about them and there's a turnover in workforce and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and so I'm not surprised. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much for those uh, thoughtful answers. And I know the question I asked John, Deb, I think got three or four people on Twitter that asked her that same question. So I think we knocked those out. Okay, so now we have about 30 minutes left. We're probably going to end up going over 15. So let's try to shorten things up a little bit because we actually do have a lot to get to. Uh, in, in the time that we have together this evening. And like I said, uh, with the concurrence of our special guests, we might go over 15 minutes, but we still got to just tighten it up a little bit. So Nathan, please go ahead, sir. And then we'll go to uh, Linda. Sure. Uh, yeah, so we live in a time where I, I think it's fair to say a lot of the people of the world have a, have a distrust of the institutions that, 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 that are here. <laughs> um, and the distrust is only growing. Uh, it seems difficult to um, find a consensus opinion on who to listen to. And and there's been a, a legacy, particularly with this topic of obfuscation and disinformation and, you know, you, you name it. So you can understand why a lot of folks' heads are, are spinning uh, sometimes when they hear about institutions sort of taking the lead in, in this process. And I, I was wondering, you know, kind of broadly... Uh, what are your perspectives on whether or not institutions can actually handle what disclosure is? Or is it on some level a deeply personal process that, that really only can happen at an individual level? What is the role of the institution and the individual here? And I guess I'll pass to John first, and then I definitely want to hear from Anjali. So. Okay, um, real quickly now. Um... I would say that um, after disclosure happens by the government um, to remove the stigma that there are actually non-human craft flying in our skies and that there are non-human beings, uh, a presence of non-human beings on our planet, um, from there, the institutions can take over because that's the biggest stumbling block right now is that the government will not admit what it has known for decades, for decades. And once the government admits, first, they have to admit that, yes, we've lied and the government has lied. And yes, we can now acknowledge what you've suspected and known all along. Um, everyone here listening to us who are into this topic, um, they're going to listen to it and say, gee, that was a nothing burger. I already knew that. But think about the 8 billion people on the planet. We're trying to reach the rest of the planet, not just the enthusiasts who are now tuning into calling all beings. Um, those are the people we're trying to reach because we want to have a global discourse. And that's when the other institutions come in. And we're talking about um, uh, religious beliefs. We're talking about sociologists, psychologists, um, uh, physical therapists, uh, phys physiologists, um, therapists, and, and everything else in, in society, including the, the, the scientists who uh, will have to relearn the science they were taught. And the rest of us will have to relearn the history 
that we've been taught. And I think the institutions can take over from there. And that's why I support the uh, Project Titan initiative by San Marino going to the United Nations. That's where it needs to happen. And I told the folks in government doing this disclosure, you know, if you guys just talk about the non-human beings and you talk about the non-human craft and don't show what you have, it's, it's, it's back to square one. You guys got to release everything you have and let civilian scientists and academia globally look at what you have. And maybe they can come up with something better than this flying triangle that's a spy plane the Air Force wants to keep hidden. And so that's my quick answer uh, to that. There is a, there is a role to play, but after, <laughs> after the government actually admits it's lied and we acknowledge that they're here. Anjali was giving you amen back there. She's raising the roof. Go ahead, Anjali. I just, I, I just had to give them the amen on that um, triangle, the black triangle, and I think that anybody who has been on Twitter this week understands why. I just was, it's been a wild, strange, strange week. But um, disclosure uh, and uh, how, how deeply personal, how deeply personally will we experience it? Well. How deeply personal do you feel about someone being in, inside of your mind directly communicating with your consciousness? I'd say that's about as intimate as it gets. Um, it is a very intimate experience. It's, and I don't mean intimate in any kind of sexual way. I mean it in a very emotional, spiritual, um, informational, okay? Because you get so much information from it. Um, it's, it's an immersive experience that uh, we, I don't think that we can avoid. So, so what does that mean? I have no idea. Uh, I, I have no idea what exactly it's going to look like when people begin coming forth and we, we begin having um, actual physical contact with beings. Okay. Uh, I don't know what that's going to look like. I suspect some things. Um, and um, people aren't, you know, they're probably not going to like the things that I suspect. Um, this is not where, yes, we are going into a very interesting period. Um, we are also going into a very difficult period. This is not going to be a period without its struggles um, and without its enlightening moments, without its revelations. And I think that um, as long as we all understand that this is more than a, a visual sensory experience and an auditory experience, okay? Um, if that's the only kind of contact that you've had so far, you are really in for a huge surprise. Um, it gets very personal very quickly. Well, since we have four experiencers on the panel here, at least, uh, Nathan and Debs and myself are, are, are anxious to have this experience. So, uh, you know, if, if, if uh, Exo Academia can't make it happen for us, maybe Anjali can. I don't know. <laughs> um, so um, let, let's get Linda and then Julie in there with their questions, and then we're going to go into... Uh, the round table where we'll all bring um, put our topics out there 
one by one onto the table, including uh, our guests of honor, uh, Anjali and John, or Johnjali. So anyway, go, go ahead, Linda. Um, <laughs> Julie, why don't you go ahead? You were here first. The sister from another mister. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. Thank you, sister Linda. Can you all hear me all right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Well, as an experiencer and talking with other experiencers and listening to what Chris Bledsoe has had to say, Angie Angeli, I, I am personally convinced that they are so interested in the lady because it is Mother Earth. It is Mother Earth communicating with us. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the female of the Trinity. It is what they are afraid to admit because it will upset the apple cart of religion. It is something that communicates, like you said, in your head. It gets in your head and it hears your thoughts. It knows your soul. And yes. It has everything to do with spirituality. And I am wondering if the IC community has also picked up sense readings as to something. I believe that it actually works with dark matter quantum mechanics, that that is part of how it communicates. It's part of how it cloaks. It's part of how it manifests. I mean, even the sulfur smell of things that come that people say, oh, it's a demon. That can just be alchemy. You know, I, I, I'm wondering if y'all have anything to say on that kind of matter. Thank you. Ooh. Well, um, I, I tell you what, one of the things that I absolutely love that you said, Jules, that I could really relate to, it resonates with me, um, was the idea that we're experiencing all of this through quantum mechanics. Um, I, I agree. I think that there is truly something there. Um, I think that it has to do with the breath. You know, we're always talking about the importance yeah. of breath. Um, and I think people are misunderstanding. Um, it's, it's not that it's because we are, um, we're just, exchanging oxygen and getting out carbon dioxide. I think it's that we are taking in, like we're getting feedback, like like it's a biosphere, all right? We're breathing. Breath is life, yeah, there is, breath is life. There is so much that is living in our air. There, there, is, there is so much water in our air. And we already know that, that water is conscious. Water reacts to thoughts. It reacts to um, our intentions. Um, it responds to us emotionally in, in, the way that it, it, in the way that it shifts and changes under our focus and our observation. Um, so it's life. It, too, like it, air. It's yeah, like, like water is in the air for the love of Pete, and we are breathing this in. And it's memory. Breathing in. Water is memory of, of the whole universe. I mean, it holds memory. It's so divine. It's so, <laughs> so, um, I, I tend to agree that I think that, that, um, that we are just, we're right on the cusp of learning a lot 
and I just hope that that we that we continue that that progressive path forward in a positive. Thank you so uh, so much. I also love where Jules said that Mother Earth is communicating with us because yes. uh, that's something that just personally resonates with me. Also, all right. So we're gonna get Linda in there, and then we're gonna get into the uh, the the fireside chat portion where everyone will throw their topics out for the group. And again, let's try to just just tight and tighten it up, just because we want to be respectful of the time of our guests. Go ahead, uh, ma'am. Okay, I just want to say it's wonderful being here with John and Angeli, and um, I re really it's difficult to ask anything very fast. Um, but do either one of you have any experience flying the craft? Ooh, I could go first. Um... I have experiences riding the craft, at least mm -hmm. two of them. So um, I've been on board one um, in terms of being examined. But as far as a craft and movement, uh, I do have very, very vivid memories of being at least on two craft that were flying in our skies. And so I have that experience, but I never was a pilot of a craft um, in recent memory, I did have a QHHT or quantum healing hypnosis technique session where I was flying a craft, um, but I was not human. I was an, um, another type of non-human being uh, visiting this planet a uh, long, long time ago. So I have that recovered uh, QHHT session memory. Okay. Thank wow. you. A couple different lifetimes. Awesome, man. And Linda, I got to just to throw it back at you. Have you flown the craft? Yes. Man, you don't even have your pilot's license. This is ridiculous. <laughs> All right, fine. The, the FAA may How about not Anjali? recognize Linda, but <laughs> but the phenomenon does. Go ahead, Anjali. Um, I will have to say that I I don't know. Um, I have I have had conscious communication with a a being from that identifies itself from the group that I have called the council um, who has shown me how their craft works okay and it has to do with their um, their hand slipping into a mold of some sort, you know, that's, I don't know if it's, I think it's just specifically for their, their specific um, hand, you know, like a personal mold. Um, and, and, and it's like three prongs, but it's like fingers. Okay. And they slip in and, um, and it connects to the neural network of the craft. And so suddenly the craft and the pilot are one, one like one hybrid, you know, being for a little while. They don't remain that way. Um, but so no, I don't have that experience, but I have experienced it through them, if okay. that makes sense. Okay. Amazing. And you know, one of Linda's uh, connections, um, um, Ganga today told me that that skin of the craft has embedded waveguides in the skin and therefore the pulses of or signals of uh, or electricity that runs that craft runs through those waveguides and i found that fascinating because that seems like 
the way you would do it if you were, you know, that advanced. So it's fascinating. Uh, okay, so we've been through everybody. Am I right, Money? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll save my question for after. Maybe we'll, if, if we can get through. Uh, I Because I do have a... A question, but uh, um, I'm not sure if I should. We should go through the round table, and I'll get mine. And what are you thinking, Nathan? Um, yeah, whatever you whatever you think is best. All right, um, I'll throw this in there real quick to Anjali and John. Um, you know what? No, I'll I'll um, I'll save that for uh, I'll save this one for the uh, the question for the round table. So let's let's go right into it and. We can start with, would you like to start with your topic, John, and then Anjali, and then we'll go through the cabbies, or would you like to get the cabbies uh, topics first? You don't care? Doesn't matter. Okay, John, go ahead and, and start us off. We'll go through the guests of honor first, and then we'll just go down through the cabbies and, and our guest cabbie tonight, Linda. Okay, I'm very happy to be here. This is uh, almost uh, one of my last interviews I'll do until after disclosure. Um, in this Thank entire you, week, uh, I was um, involved in uh, a series of talks sponsored by Dr. Jack Sarfati, who's a physicist who worked with the CIA and, and understands the mechanics and the quantum characteristics of, of these craft and how they work. And this morning, we had uh, a great talk about the consciousness has quantum characteristics. And physicists are actually working on like a quantum equation to understand consciousness. And you're absolutely right about the craft having a consciousness aspect to it. And the government actually knows that there is a consciousness aspect to the phenomena. Without the consciousness aspect, all of this makes no sense whatsoever. It only makes sense when you add consciousness to it. And absolutely right. <laughs> absolutely right. <laughs> And there they were, and absolutely right that um, you know that, that, right. The, oh the metamaterials are infused with um, uh, waveguides uh, that respond in a very small, short wavelength uh, in the terahertz wavelength. And something about the metamaterials and that freak, that wavelength of electromagnetic energy causes uh, interesting effects. Causes it to actually have those characteristics, those five observables, using very little energy, very little energy. And that's something that's seriously being talked about. So I'll leave it with that. Thank you. All right. So um, I let um, so we're going to just comment on that because uh, that's basically what it is, is they're sort of like conversation starters. So we'll go from me, Angeline, down through the cabbies. I... You know, th this is a this is a, again what I heard from somebody who's an experiencer, Ganga today. I believe that Linda knows this person, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and it sounded very plausible and logical because the way that we construct uh, aircraft and wire them today seems uh, extremely, I guess, archaic uh, compared to what I would think that how the phenomenon would transfer information, signals, pulses, direction, um, uh, information back and forth throughout the craft, it would seem to me that it would be something like that. So it's interesting that that is where uh, that, that the, you've verified that the community is headed in that direction. Um, go ahead, Anjali. Do you have anything on that, ma'am? Oh, my goodness. I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> She's like, I've, I've designed this... In the easel in the other room, I could draw this out for you. 
I, yeah, of course, do I have anything to say? I could, I could talk for a couple of days, but um, I think that everybody's pretty much aware of where I stand on the, on this being a, um, a consciousness manifestation. Um, there are, uh, there, there's, there are so many intricacies to things that I have learned that I don't have time here to, to really present, which is the only reason that I have this limited podcast that I'll be doing. It's really only to try to present information in a way where I, you know, I have um, the, the, I guess the, the, the freedom to, to d- dive deeply into a topic um, and present it in the way that I think would be um, best understood. And, and I haven't had a platform to do that, you know? And so that makes You do it now. It's calling all me. <laughs> you will bring you back for the entire hour. You can talk about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> so um, uh, I am, I'm excited to, to be able to put together these really what I, what I hope will be just explanatory videos with, um, with other guests who will be able to add, um, you know, their own insights into not just my experience, but the experience of being contacted by non-human entities. Okay. So, um, without consciousness there there is nothing i mean there's just everything is is consciousness that's what we're doing here it's um just we're learning and growing and becoming and realizing that we already are and we're we're shedding off layers that don't belong to us and we're reaffirming what does and um i think it's a it's a beautiful ride and uh, there will be a nuts and bolts aspect to it, but golly gee, I'm, I'm really not even kidding when I say if that's where you're focusing, you are missing out uh, on, on really where the bread and butter of all of this is going to lead. So. Yeah, just both things are fascinating, you know, to different archetypes, you know, different persons find a different aspect. Of, I, I agree with you, you know, I mean, that where this is going and the connection between all of us and how even they interact with the craft consciousness space. But there's some people, you know, that just read popular science and popular mechanics and they just want to know how does this tech work? I mean, that's what makes the world go around is we're all different. Um, Nathan, uh, go ahead, brother. Would you want to react to that real quick? Sure. Actually, and it kind of, I'm just going to connect it up with my own topic because I think it's pretty similar. I mean, if, if, what we're looking at here is uh, an upending of reality as we know it, which I think many of us would argue that's exactly what's happening, that, that the world that we thought we understood is not the way we understood it, that reality is far more complicated, uh, that it is far more diverse, that it is teeming with life and intelligence, and not just those that are on a similar level of intelligence that, that, that we are, other embodied beings, but those that aren't embodied and, and all in between. It's It's a a very sort of big zoo, if you will. Um, how difficult is it going to be for the average person to really get all of that? How much time is it going to take 
in your estimation to understand that multifaceted reality, if in fact that is what we are stepping toward? Okay, Debs, well, that goes to you, my friend. And okay. then it'll, it'll go all the way around the... Okay, so I have to say that I have a materialistic view of consciousness, which is annoying to some people who don't, but I <laughs> actually do think that wavelengths, um, light, sound, frequency, EM, terahertz, um, that waveguide you were talking about, they're all integral to all of this. When people talk about raising your vibration and all that, they don't even realize how important that is because with these wavelengths we can reach all the way across the universe they just keep going um wavelengths control whether or not something's even matter or sound or light <laughs> it goes back and forth so i think that that is going to be the secret and then i think once people really understand that and they see that it's not magic that it's a real scientific thing because we're going to get it with quantum computing and we're going to get it with other examples as people keep playing with it, mm -hmm. then they'll be able to accept it as reality. As you were saying, Nathan, I'm tying it back to your statement. I think that when they understand the science, they'll understand what's going on a little better. Awesome. And uh, so let's go to on this, uh, we could go to Jules. What what would you like to say about Nathan's topic? And we'll go to Linda. I think that they're going to have to accept that dark matter is real. I think they're going to have to accept that dark matter phenomenon has a lot to do with all of this. The consciousness aspect of it. The manifestation. Consciousness underlies all matter. And... I believe that there is an entity, whether it be Mother Earth or some alien civilization that can manipulate this dark matter and it can make things disappear. It can make things appear. It can travel through time and dimensions. It 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 explains an awful lot of everything, including the cold spots, because it sucks all the energy out before as it's manifesting. It is I really think that science is going to have to just man up and say dark matter is real and quantum mechanics is real. And this is how reality is. Just forget what you were told. That's Dr. my opinion. <laughs> Dr. Hine is so excited right now that you just did this. He's in his part and go, yeah, right on, girl. That's what I told That's you. That's right. You're out here. Martin, so, Martin right. Fleischman Memorial Project, man. Right. Martin Fleischman Memorial Project. Linda, uh, how difficult uh, will it be to understand how much time will it take uh, for people? To, and if I understand, tell me if I got this wrong, Nathan, for people to accept the multiple dimensions that the reality is beyond what they can just see and feel and taste and hear and touch. Is that correct, Nathan? You got it, brother. Okay. Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you take, I just, there's so many dimensions. I don't exclude anything in this. Um, we all, I think we all intuitively in us realize this consciousness and realize that there's different dimensions and vibrations and frequencies. But, um, we're so used to using other terminology and other things to 
describe it. You know, it's like feelings or gut reactions or, you know, something's not right today or whatever. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you hear at offices all the time when you're talking with people. So they're basically all sensing these things. They just don't have the language or framework to put it in. So, um, you know, I think everybody's different, but I just say don't make it an age situation because age, I don't think, has anything to do with this at all. And that's one of my concerns, Um, you know, so, yeah, it's all consciousness and quantum. It's just all together. John, thank you, Linda. Mm -hmm. How, How difficult, how much time will it take before people will accept the nature that that there's a reality beyond what they're sensing? Well, I don't think it'll take that long. I think it'll, uh, and within our lifetimes, um, I think the uh, science science will have to rewrite everything. Um, philosophy mm-hmm. will have to rethink everything, and religions will have to re-preach everything because what we think is real has not been real. And to Linda's point, you know, it's it's it. Without the consciousness aspect of any of this, um, we can't make it work. And so here's these physicists this morning in Dr. Safadi's group who were talking about, you know, how essential it is for consciousness to explain the phenomena. And these are physicists who are on the cutting edge. And they're working on, like, equations to make that happen because, you know, they're still physicists. And they need to write equations. They need to formulate equations to, you know, make it turn into whatever, whatever equals zero. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's the goal of like theoretical physics. You got to get back to zero somehow. Uh, but they're doing a tremendous amount of work, and uh, I know um, they're uh, publishing these uh, lectures. Um, I think uh, through Tim Ventura, and so through Tim Ventura's. Uh, 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 outlets, you know, you can you can see this morning's lecture, but it was it was really brilliantly portrayed of how they're thinking about it, and so that's the only comment I have. And oh, I just want to leave with um, to Jules, um, you know, this we used to be a matriarchal world until uh, everything turned upside down, and uh, so I don't blame any particular religion, uh, but you know, I used to be Catholic. <laughs> I'm a Catholic in perpetual recovery. And a lot of that uh, patriarchy came through there, you know, and we used to be matriarchal. And I think we'll go back. One of the things we might see is we'll turn into a matriarchal globe in order to make any kind of progress and at least have peace. Well, men have screwed it up uh, royally. Oh, yeah. You know, girls to try. Uh, Anjali, so. I think that would be a beautiful thing. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Anjali, so how how difficult uh, will it be? How long will it take uh, for people to accept that there's an alternate reality? This is the nature of Nathan's question to the group. Um, <clears throat> I think that there's a possibility that it won't take more than a few seconds. 
um, to realize that you need to let go of some really tight paradigms that you've been holding on to. I think it literally happens in a split second. What happens for you beyond that? That's really, um, that's a different subject. You know, that's where mindfulness and uh, being centered and grounded is going to be so important for you um, or for every one of us um, because it is, it is, um, how do I put it? It's, I guess, discombobulating. It's discombobulating. It isn't like all of a sudden, you know, we're going to have a, a press conference and beings come forward and they introduce themselves and we're all just sitting at our TVs going, cool. New. <laughs> Pass the chips. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not what it's going to be like. Okay. In, um, you, you will know, um, they will, they will speak to you. Um, you will see them. Um, and how, when guys, I don't know, but they, they give the impression that it will happen quickly. It will be swift. And that's why they're trying to warn us in a sense that we need to prepare consciously um, because it can be incredibly discombobulating. Um, and, uh, you know, we can have some pretty fragile psyches in these bodies and um, it would be, it would behoove all of us to take up some sort of um, grounding spiritual practice. What that looks like for you, you know, I, that's none of my business that re it really isn't. That's an, an, an individual decision. Um, and I'm not suggesting you take up a religious practice. Okay. I'm suggesting to take up a spiritual practice where you ponder the nature of your own existence, the nature of the source of consciousness. Just start with those two questions. You don't have to get any deeper than that. Just start with those two questions. And that that's pretty deep already, actually. I must say. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you though, Nathan, I would love to see I don't know about you, I would love to see Chris Bledsoe, Anjali, and John go like on a just a nighttime fishing trip, wouldn't you? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, I, yeah I fly on that wall. Fishing yeah. trip those two. I would do it in a heartbeat. Except Let's I do it. Used to to use any actual hooks. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to. You know, you could just be out there with the net. So <laughs> okay. yeah, we need to get you know Chris, Anjali, and John go on a fishing trip, and then I want to hear what happened after that. Um, okay, so so it's it's down to me and Nathan. I think uh, in answer to your question, I think it's going to run the gamut. Um, I think uh, you know with you you know present company and folks that are sort of like us and are sort of tribe of the phenomenon or are very much ready to accept uh, what the nature of reality is that we have not yet seen nor experienced, but are, are welcome and open to. And I think something that Linda may have alluded to is that, you know, maybe some people are actually just suppressing that, that they believe that this exists and that there is a nature of reality that they haven't experienced. They believe it's out there, but they suppress it. They don't want to talk about it. It's these things you don't tell your friends at work about. Um, actually, earlier, you know, during some of Anjali's commentary, uh, talking about people in the IC, 
uh, the culture and the climate that exists. There is an enormous amount of courage that would be necessary for somebody to come out and say, hey, I need to be interviewed about this. I've had experiences or I've experienced a different part of reality. Um, that is very, very, and John knows this. I know this. Um, Anjali knows this. It's very difficult in that climate to do that because now all of a sudden you're different. So I think it's going to happen all along the spectrum, Nathan, until some sort of irrefutable event happens that is covered so widely that it can't be ignored. And uh, then uh, I think, you know, there's going to be parts of society that are going to have a lot of issues with it. Uh, probably most of society will have a lot of issues with it because we are the minority and not the majority. Um, and then there'll be sort of that center group that kind of thinks about this but don't talk about it. And then there's going to be a group that, you know, a, probably a, a, a predominant group that has no idea this exists. And when it, they're confronted with it, are going to find it very difficult to manage that. That's my thought. All right. Uh, was that okay, Nathan? <laughs> no, it was, it was great. Thank you. Okay, well, let's go to uh, Debs' topic, and that one will go yeah. around the room. I feel like this is actually tied in a little bit. One of the hardest things for um, people to accept is that experiencers are having encounters with entities. Um, going back to what Rupolt said, that when that was mentioned, they essentially took those reports and put them in the trash. He said that in his book. Um, when you take a look at John Mack, people said, oh, you've gone native, and they try to get him out of Harvard. Um, do we think, considering that the NDAA did specify that physiological effects and psychiatric effects would be researched, but Arrow hasn't mentioned experiencers one iota since, that the time for the experiencer has come yet, or is it also still being thrown in the trash can? Okay, so the question is, to just contextualize it into a question is, has the time come for the experiencer in terms of the IC, or has it just been thrown in the trash can? Is that the question? Yep. that's what I'm concerned about, because it just seems to be the pattern, and I think it needs to change okay so if that's going to julie first and then it'll go linda and john and anjali and then uh myself and nathan go ahead jules what do you think they're considering about experiencers right now in the ic i think they are trying to keep us out of it as much as they possibly can i don't think they are ready to face experiencers at all um it's time for us. Yes, indeed. But I have no idea how we're going to get everybody on the same page, even talking about things being actually real, let alone things actually being interacting with people. You know, it, 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 I have, I have no clue how we're going to do that. That was going to be one of my questions to, to UIC people because <laughs> I well, don't you know. You, you can't though, Jules, right? We're human. So you know that we are not given to that. That's not going to happen. But just look at you. Yeah. You know? I know. I know. And, and it, it, it it boggles my mind and I don't know how it's going to happen that, that they actually bring us 
into the fold because right now we're not in the fold. Experiencers aren't. They are trying their best just to push us aside in a corral and, and not pay any attention to us as much as they possibly can. At least that's how I see it. And, and I, I, in my opinion, you know, we are it. We are the ones that this stuff has been trying to interact with all our lives. And we're the ones who can help others when they get interacted with because we've been dealing with it for all our lives. You know, we've already had the ontological shock. We've already had the the pondering of the nature of reality. We've already had the spiritual, you know, desperation, dark souls of, of the night and all that. And, and hopefully come through the other side without being insane. You know what I mean? And, and, just, and just one thing, Jules, whenever someone says ontological shock on the show, everybody say EXO and just go like that for EXO. Definitely. EXO, yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. <laughs> Thank you, love. I appreciate it, Linda. EXO. <laughs> Julie's on fire tonight. Yes, she is. (laughs) Okay. Um, hmm. Okay, so I'm a mama bear when it comes to protecting abductees and experiencers. And I get very concerned um, because I refuse to be treated as a guinea pig and to be treat it like I'm some kind of lab rat and I do not want abductees and experiencers to be treated that way. I do believe based on very old documents in the CI papers and other papers that they are concerned about us as far as what we're capable of doing. And um, in, I you know, talking about the collective consciousness. Um, I don't know if you've ever been <laughs> in a room of um, abductees and experiencers that are really tied in together collectively, but there's some really bizarre things that can happen, <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, electricity, everything. And so... I don't think they really want to piss us off. Uh, may not go well, but anyway. <laughs> I love it. I don't want I to love piss it. you off. I don't want to piss you off either. Uh, let's go to John and then Anjali and then Nathan or myself and Nathan. Go ahead. Unmute. Uh, yes, it may surprise you that in the ODNI, there's a Microsoft SharePoint server which is the top secret SCI equivalent of UFO Twitter, where uh, people in the IC can post their experiences. You'd be surprised what's in that database. Uh, One of the people who came forward recently wrote a letter to Mr. James Fox of the uh, Marina Brazil film fame. Um, And he was uh, sharing his experiences in that. And they found out about it and, you know, they, they talked to him and they considered them serious. And I'll just leave it at that. So um, if you think that um, the U.S. government doesn't know about experiencers, um, I said it before, 
that outside of a UFO convention or conference, mm -hmm. um, the most experiences I've ever met were inside the intelligence community. And That's there are many, many, many of them. And uh, many of them will be coming forward. I would say uh, at least four or more dozen people you'll hear from uh, toward the end of the year who, are, who have had some encounters uh, and experiences with this phenomenon. And they're going to be very frank about it. So, um, yes, uh, we are taken seriously. And uh, we're not treated um, as if there's something wrong with us. Great. Um, and actually, uh, the Havana syndrome and skinwalker uh, hitchhiker effect, um, they, uh, they, they are like strange, high strangeness experiences. Um, and so, you know, they were taken seriously, maybe not at first, but later on they were. And so I would say that, you know, from the government standpoint, um, they are aware that an encounter with the phenomenon will result in some kind of experiences, good or bad. And uh, in fact, you know, we all know about Axelrod and his family's experiences with the bipedal wolf. It was written about in um, the Skin Skinwalkers of the Pentagon book. And that Skinwalkers of the Pentagon book, which was um, actually approved by the Defense Intelligence Agency as being unclassified, is just full of experiences uh, in there, including orbs uh, of all colors, orange and blue. Apparently, blue is, is not a good orb to be encountering. And also, they had uh, 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 encounters with triangles. And so, right there, I mean, if th that's in plain black and white, that a book written by a DIA officer was about experiences related to Skinwalker Ranch. So, I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you. That's great to hear, John. I'm glad that some of my fears are allayed there. And that the fact that there is a SharePoint up on a secret network that they can share their experiences, that is brilliant. That's a huge step. And um, uh, we do have two Bigfoot experiencers here. Uh, Julianne, I, I believe Linda also has has had one. And there's a lot of orbs from people that have I've heard a number of people, dozens of people out in the woods that have experienced orbs uh when they're out there um camping out for bigfoot so i'm, I'm not sure the connection but anjali please would you take that 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 question deb's question about the ic community and experiencers <clears throat> well um i again I'm, i know i'm gonna sound like a broken record with this but i think it's it's highly important that um, as soon as possible that the IC community um, stands up a division that is devoted to um, understanding the types of contact that are occurring with individuals, what those beings are saying, and we need to be looking for patterns. We need to be, um, uh, we need to be assessing intentions, um, and you know, try to to predict what they're going to be doing in the future. Everything that the IC community is supposed to do, we need to do. We need to do that with respect to these these other life forms that are interacting with human beings very heavily in the IC community. And so, for for me as as a, a former member, um, although it never really feels like you're, you're former, you know, I mean, it's kind of like just a lifelong way of understanding and viewing the world. And 
Um, there, we have, we have too many experiencers in the IC community for it not to be significant and purposeful. And if we aren't trying to answer the question of what that purpose is, then, then we cannot for a moment be, be claiming um, that we are practicing good home homeland security. Okay. Um, so just to bring it down to the basic level, um, the IC has a job to do and they haven't done it. And it's not their fault. They haven't been given the permission, the resources, the funding, um, and the, the, uh, the personnel, the actual personnel. Um, and, and I see, I see a way to, to rectify that. And, um, and I see a path forward for, for analyzing, um, what, what is happening. Um, and I think we can get, we can get pretty close, but we can't do it without experiencers, period. If we don't interview experiences in depth and start taking that um, information like it is entreating it, like it is human intelligence, that we are failing, we are failing, we are failing. That's all I got to say. Uh, yeah, and I don't think I can add much to what John and Anjali said other than maybe to point out that there is at least it's reportedly there are agencies that went and interacted with Chris Bledsoe. And I'd like to believe that that information that they gathered on multiple interactions with him probably didn't just get put into a mason jar, but that there is probably somewhere in the DOD somebody studying him and I don't know that he's the only one so uh, I, I suspect that there may be I, again I don't know more than what what John and Anjali know but I suspect that there may be an office somewhere that is taking in that data from sources that they deem credible and I think we all know at this panel here that there are many more credible uh, experiencers beyond them um, I'm gonna throw my topic out there because we have about uh, 11 minutes left um, and see what you guys think of that one. And we'll take it to Nathan uh, first and then go around the table. And as you guys can see, Hera, the Black Panther, has decided to make an appearance. Hello, Hera. And um, there we go. Now she's probably going to dig her claws into my back. All right, Hera. Uh, let me see. Just bring up my notepad here. Um, okay. So um, <clears throat> this, uh, this question I guess this question actually was for John and Anjali, but I, I'm just going to take it around the table to everybody. And do you think that uh, a group of the phenomenon uh, that that comes into play, let's say that is 2027, do you think they will accept, um, exercise a certain amount of control over humanity, thereby removing agency from humanity? What do you think, Nathan? Do you think that there is a group or groups that will decide to exercise some control over us as humans and remove some of our agency, maybe all? What's your thought? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think this sort of gets to me, at least, to the um, 
the way in which our understanding of, of reality is actually kind of busted and broken. I don't know that they even think like that. I don't know that it really, right. I, I don't either. It, yeah. So I, 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 I and I'm sure Anjali and John have more to say on this, but I, I think that, um, to, to, to many of us, it might look like that. Like I, I could see why we might have that impression or as we speculate about it, that's something we would speculate that would happen. That's a very, in a way, kind of an almost an antiquated, you know, anthropomorphic way of looking at this sort of, you know, relationship. But uh, based on what many have said, not just those here tonight, the the kind of contact, the kind of communication, the kind of relationship, is so radically different than what we are accustomed to, and in the world that we have constructed around ourselves. That you know, in a way, it, it uh, it's like a it's a it's the definition of a paradigm shift, right? It's it's literally like breaking all of the things that we thought we understood and reframing that. Um, and I think along those lines, just the last thing that I'll say related to the earlier conversation is that I, you know I hope what Anjali said is is true because it at some level I believe we all intuitively understand that that. That, that this world that we operate in now isn't really the way it's supposed to be, that there's something broken about it. And I think we know this at a very fundamental level. Uh, and we will, in a way, kind of like welcome this revelatory moment because it's like the reanimation of the human spirit um, waking us from a slumber. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, uh, you know, depending upon what their vision is and how it comports with what your vision might be, you know, I mean that's open to interpretation. Deb, do you think that uh, do you think the phenomenal exercise a certain amount of control? It might be positive, uh, right. or and remove agency or not. Well, I'll be honest. Um, I sometimes have to pause and think about what we've seen previously in terms of behavior, and we have seen some use of humans as basically tools to an end. And um, I remember Dave Scott talking about um, the flying of a UFO and there was an entity flying a UFO that no longer had a body, but the consciousness was still being used to fly the UFO. And the one thing that freaked me out out of this whole topic was the idea of being used to fly a UFO um, and basically as a tool or a battery. And other people have talked about that. So that is a concern that I have that they may not think about it the way that we do. They might just think, well, of course you'd be willing and wanting to do this, right? Be a battery <laughs> for us, right? Um, so, you know, I can't say because we, I don't have that conversation with, you know, a non-human intelligence. We don't, that's not a discussion that I've had, you know, but um, that is a concern that that's just because, like Nathan said, they don't think like we do. Um, it may look like we've lost agency in that sense. Interesting. Great way to put it. Uh, let's go to Julie and then Linda, please. Wow, that just tripped me out. Um, <laughs> but, but, but maybe it's not just being a battery. Maybe it's an extension of life. Maybe you are being installed in that craft to live another existence. You know, they may not think like we do, but maybe we aren't thinking like them either. And therefore, we're wrong in that. You know, I, I don't know. I don't think until we experience something like that, can we actually judge it? But 
that's that's just me. I try to see the good and shit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you 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 can't think about something the way that a non-human intelligent. You can only think as a human. It's your limitation. They may not be yeah. able to think like us unless they've just, you know, have understand so much about us that they've learned to be able to think like us, perhaps. And maybe maybe after you you are a craft for a while and you're flying around seeing the universe, you go on to be something else because I believe we're eternal, you know, and maybe you're, you're just going to go on to something else after that. I don't know if it's actually like being punished or, or, or used or whatever. It just may be a different existence. So. But but that 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 is kind of trippy and I can see how it might scare people. I mean, what Deb described was basically the headless horseman, right? They chopped that that Hessian soldier. They chopped that. He's still able to operate the horse, right, Nathan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He can still fly the craft. Linda, my friend, uh, what do you think is going to happen, my friend? Uh, are they going to uh, maybe uh, exercise some control over our destiny or will take some of our agency or not? What's your thoughts? You've communicated with a number of these intelligences. Or I maybe think, just one over and over. I don't know. <laughs> I think if they take agency over um, keeping us safe from nuclear, keeping us safe from Putin, keeping us safe from um, various factors that can be good for us, that's great. Um, we cannot supposed to understand any grand design or no grand design in multiple types of these okay so I think they've been exercising an amount of agency from the very beginning on our planet with us not being aware of it so I think they're just going to do what they plan to do so it'll be relatively transparent because at this point <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm 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 saying that because obviously you know they shut down you know uh robert solace's nukes and whereas they turned on you know soviet nukes at, the, at that point and start made it uh initiated a start sequence that they then interrupted so but to the largest swath of of the population of the world it's it's largely transparent or they don't know it. Is that what you mean? I think we're going to have more more con conscious. We're going to be all consciousness. Um, I think it's going to be more consciously aware. Um, so I don't know. It's up to them. Hmm. Um, we're getting to that point where we need more help quick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we. I think you and Nathan both are on that same that same line, and I agree with you, John. Yes, sir. And then Anjali. Okay, here's a thought. It's already happened. Uh, that agency was imposed upon the planet long time ago mm -hmm. uh, when they uh, established kingship and priesthood based on a patriarchal model, and we've been living with it ever since. <laughs> and so I would say that it's not them that did it; it's us did it to ourselves by elevating them to a divinity that they themselves would admit they don't deserve. 
but we elevated them to a divinity, a, a male-based hierarchy uh, of, of their divine presence. And uh, we established you know, nation states based on kingship um, and a male aristocratic line establishing kingship and land ownership and a priesthood of us worshiping them through a male type of lineage. Whereas the natural order of things was to have a matriarchal society. And so I think they're here to undo what we did to ourselves. So I don't buy that they're, they're going to come here and, and, and take away our agency. They're trying to give us back what we once had. And uh, that's what I think is going to be a shift in our consciousness is to actually know who we were, who we are, and what we can become. Because unless we know that, we cannot join them as a space-faring planet to explore the rest of the universe with them. That's right. And I just want to say, I wasn't suggesting that they were going to do that. I was just asking, do you think they'll do that? And so I'm just, it, it's a question. It's not a declarative statement. So just to make sure you're, uh, that, that uh, nobody thinks that I was suggesting that's what would happen. I don't know. Um, but that's why you have on smart people like you guys so we can ask. Um, Anjali. <laughs> um, okay. So um, I'm going to go back again and kind of tease the IC a little bit again. Um, I guess roast them a little. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm doing more roasting than I'm doing anything. Um, <laughs> Turn again, I'm, I'm going to say that we need to stand up a division that is dedicated to discerning the difference between the non-human stakeholders that we have. Um, we, we don't just have one group of, of beings that are, are present here on earth, and we need to understand not only where we come from, but where they come from, how long they've been here, what their intentions are. Um, we know that from a lot of experiencers that uh, we've, we've, we've heard about the positive side of the, I'll call it the consciousness effect, right? Um, where we have, we begin having conscious communication with them and uh, it really, it transforms our lives. And we've had, you know, some, some, some type of experience that we can probably anchor at different points throughout our lives that, that connect that feeling for us, right? So um, we, uh, gosh, I, I can't remember exactly where I was going with that. Um, well, basically the question is, uh, the question was, do you think that they're going to exercise some sort of control over humanity that any of the intelligences that you've either interacted with or right. heard about through the ones that you're reacting with. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Take, yes. So, so again, we're, we're dealing with one more than one thing here. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I cannot stress that enough. Um, there, there are, um, there are intricacies to this that we need to take great care in examining and attempting to understand. Um, I, I would say that um, the idea of agency removed has, was very perfectly addressed by Mr. Ramirez. Mm -hmm. um, that was going to be one of the first things that I offered up is that 
um, our agency was restricted a very long time ago. Um, and we need to understand why and, um, and, and begin to work within that framework with the other groups and beings who are here to better understand. So, um, so will they come in and remove additional agency? Um, I, I have no idea. Um, the, there are, uh, there are concerns that, that we may, that humanity may respond in, in an aggressive way. And I think that that's okay to interfere, to keep us from um, having some kind of psychotic break where we decide we're going to, you know, nuke the entire planet because, you know, we have some, something that we don't understand in the atmosphere or, you know, on our lawns or whatever. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going to have to definitely, um, as, as a species and as a, I hope at some point as a, um, a global family, we have to begin to approach this. Uh, we have, we are about to discover that all of the differences that we have on this planet are minutia. They're nothing. They are, they're illusory. They, they keep us divided. They keep us from hampering our progress. They keep us from, from, um, from consciously transcending into, into the beings that we are capable of, of becoming and of, and who we already are, all of these things need to be addressed. And we haven't even started the conversation yet, honestly. Um, right. there, there might be a few back rooms somewhere where there are a group of powerful men, pardon me, um, who are having those private conversations and making those decisions for all of us. But um, the IC and the nation are ill-prepared and um, it's time to get to work. Can I get an amen for my homegirl, Anjali? Amen. Uh, <laughs> amen. <laughs> Um, so, all right, that, that is, uh, about all the time we have. What I want to do throw out there does, uh, John or, or Linda or Anjali, would you like to promote Anjali? You mentioned, we can start with you. You mentioned that you have a podcast coming up that you're going to be involved with or starting. Can you do, would you like to talk about that real quick? And um, put it in the show just, notes as well. Just very, just very quickly. Cause I, you know, it's, it's not why I'm here and I don't, I don't want you to misunderstand. Okay. Um, I, uh, yes, I, the decision to have a podcast is, is just based on my need to be able to accurately communicate, um, in, um, and present the information in a way that I think will be, um, that will be best reflective of what I have learned even over the last two years. Um, and, I'm not, I'm not even the same woman who, who came out, you know, in, in March of 2021 and, and came forward and said, Hey guys, this is what I experienced. And I'm this changed woman. Well, I feel like, uh, you know, I can barely relate to her, you know, I mean, it's just like my, my constant movement and growth is just, I, I'm really enjoying it. And, um, and I think that, that, uh, that I want to share that. I, I want to share that with everyone. Um, I want them to uh, um, understand my not only my experiences, 
but I want to share with them my analysis of, of what is happening and who we may be uh, communicating with and um, the, the different stakeholders and um, what those intentions may be. That doesn't mean I'm right just because I, because I come up with something, right? I mean, um, a lot of, you know, intel, intelligence officers write a lot of reports and they get sent right back to their desk to write them again. And they get sent back again and they get sent back again, you know? I mean, it can happen. Um, I'm, not, I, I'm not claiming to be, be the be all or end all, um, but I do hope to be um, one of the first public voices um, coming from the intelligence community who tries to bring analysis and understanding, you know, to humanity of, um, of what we may be experiencing in, in a way that's outside of our, our normal framework. So join me if that sounds interesting to you. And if it doesn't, then um, I wish you well. I will be subscribing. I'll put it to you that way. So what's the name of it going to be? Discerning. Discern. Oh, I like it. I like it. John, would you like to have anything you'd, uh, you'd like to promote? I know you're coming up with, I don't remember your next pod, but please promote anything you'd like. I basically have two left. Um, interview with uh, UAP Studies podcast on Saturday, and they'll post the links to it. And my okay. final one would be uh, Into the Weird. Uh, weird spelled W-Y-R-D-E with Holly Wood. Holly. Yeah, Holly. And yeah. Uh, yeah, she and you had her on as well. Yes. And uh, so that'll be my last one. And uh, stay tuned because uh, you won't see me until after disclosure. And then oh, we'll man. have a very different conversation. All the conversations will change. So stay tuned. And thank you very much for uh, hosting us. Yeah. Gracious host, oh, everyone. You got you got cabby goodbyes yet. So just ha hang on. So um i i don't know if if uh, julie knows how to do cabbie goodbye so go ahead jules <laughs> i want to say thank you so much for coming and riding in the cab with us it has been an enlightening show thanks to my cabbie comrades because they let me on the panel and out of the chat and it has been grand having a reunion with my sister linda <laughs> Since, since it's been so long since I've been on a show with her. And I just I just hope the best for both of you. I, I can't wait until after disclosure when you come back, John. I'm ready for that conversation. And I will definitely be subscribing, Anjali. Thank you. Thank you. Linda, your cabbie goodbye. It's great to see everybody. Thank you and have a great day. Bye. I appreciate you, Debs. I wanted to say thank you to both of you for coming and speaking with us. I wish more people had that ability to come out and communicate what they know. I really appreciate that you guys are brave enough to do that immensely. Also, I wanted to say an extra thank you to John, who has agreed to let me do um, a recap of his previous interview on the dojo for UAP Med because he was talking about supporting experiencers. So we will be putting that out soon. Thank you so much. All right, Devsy, money. Yeah, thank you guys. It's been a wonderful conversation. And, uh, you know, I feel personally touched by what you shared. And, um, you know, buckle up, right? 
Uh, thank you, Money. Um, and by the way, Hera's here. She's trying to like get in the shot here. She's just <laughs> she's ready to just claw me to pieces. Uh, but yes, uh, I want to say thank you to uh, our guests of honor, John and Anjali. You guys are awesome, brother and sister. Um, and just sharing your experience and uh, with us and in allowing us to welcome you into the cab. Um, it's it's it really was an honor to have you, John. I'm, I'm so it it's great to be able to call you and, and speak with you on the phone about stuff when when something comes up or I have a question. And I did get to speak with uh, Anjali recently on the phone for the first time. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> and um, and thank you so much. Uh, I realize you know, John, you may be uh, at, at for a while after these next two. And Anjali, you're starting your own pod, but just know that the cab is here. Uh, anytime we, we, we would welcome you to come on and, and speak about things because really, you know, as, as usual, we, we, we still have questions that we didn't even get to answer in this forum. And, and that's just the way we like it because that gives an opportunity for you guys to come back. So on behalf of uh, Jules and Linda and um, Anjali, John, Debs, Nathan, and myself, this is DJ saying peace out. <laughs> One love. We'll see you down the road. And we're always wondering what's up around the bend. Mm -hmm.